Yep. Yeah. Now it's really time to go. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is Friday, January the 12th. Kai is out today. But joining me for our very first Economics on Tap of the year is the one, the only, the wonderful Amy Scott. Hey, Amy. Thank you, Kimberly. Happy New Year to you and to everybody. Happy New Year. Happy Friday on top of it. Thanks for joining us on the podcast and on the YouTube live stream. It is Friday, and of course, that means it's time for our weekly happy hour episode. Yes, we're going to get to some news. We're going to take a break. We're going to play a couple of rounds of Half Full, Half Empty. And don't forget, those of you joining in the YouTube live stream chat, we'll look to your votes and hear what you have to say on our own individual perspectives on the fullness or the halfness of things. Anywho, uh, before we get (laughs) into it, the middleness or the madness, we're going to look at what everybody's drinking. Amy, start with you. What are you having? Okay, so I'm usually a couple years behind uh, on everything. (laughs) So (laughs) I have recently discovered orange wine, thanks to my colleagues in Los Angeles. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, it's it's also called skin contact wine. And it's basically white wine that's fermented with the skins, kind of like red wine is. But um, it gives some nice orange color to a white wine. And I find it quite refreshing. So cheers. How about you? And you drink it cold? Or cool, mm-hmm. I should say. The the bottle says lightly chilled, but I'm imprecise. Refrigerator. I just stuck it in the it's fridge. Like, it's fine. Yeah, for yeah. me, it's, I don't like have it's either in the fridge, fridge or not. <laughs> like exactly. the nuances we of the temperature. We have one temperature in there. <laughs> but it's when nice. I, yeah, I mean, it's probably a more of a summer thing, but yeah. what the heck? It's when I went freezing out and I'm drinking it. My cousin tried to shame me for not having my red wine at the right temperature. Because apparently oh, red wine is supposed to be served ever so slightly chilled. And because I saw him put it in the fridge and I was like, what are you doing? Or maybe he put it in the freezer or something. I was like, what are you doing? It's red wine. And he was like, no, it has to be at such and such temperature and blah, blah, blah. I was like, whatever. Can't I would forget about like, it and days later find it frozen <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm going simple. So what are you drinking? <laughs> well, Not simple. Not at all. Uh, I'm having a mocktail for, hey, shout out to all those celebrating dry January. I am not this year, but uh, definitely supporting everybody in that in that realm. So I'm having a mocktail today. Um, It is. Let's see. I made some rosemary simple syrup with some rosemary that somehow is still surviving in my patio garden. I've got um, blueberry rosemary shrub and then uh, some non-alcoholic bourbon and blueberry soda that uh, I got the other day and um, all mixed together and it's purple and it kind of matches my shirt I just realized and it's delicious. I got my little Ooh, rosemary lovely. sprig as a garnish. Yeah. Mm. How is the NA bourbon? Does it taste like bourbon? Ooh, I got to hmm. try that. I wouldn't say it tastes like bourbon, but it does what bourbon needs to do in the drink. And it hmm. doesn't taste okay. bad. That's I'm sort of intrigued. how I feel about a lot of the non-alcoholic um, spirits is that they don't mm. taste like their replacements, but they do what they need to do to make the drink tasty. If that That's kind of how I feel sense. about meat substitutes as well. Yeah, they don't need to taste yes. like meat, but they have to do yeah. something similar. So I like that. 
Exactly. What's All right, everybody, let's look at what else, everybody else is drinking? Yeah. All right. So uh, we've got Carol is drinking a lemon zinger with a little something something. Uh, Sarah Schlosser, nice. water still working. Uh, let's see. Martin, a Johnny Rocket vanilla shake. Okay. And mm. Debbie wants to know why I have no ice cubes, and that's because the ice cubes <laughs> in the office fridge smelled funny. To be honest, and I didn't want to go there. <laughs> we're, we're transparent here. We're transparent. I would not. Chuck, I would not use the office ice either. Yeah, it smelled a little funny. Uh, Chuck uh, Kleinnecht has Joseph Magnus Bourbon aged in sherry casks. Funny about Joseph Magnus hmm. Brewing Company. Which they had a sh- uh, a location here in D.C. that shut down. I didn't even know you could still get their bourbons. Like, I have one bottle left over from, like, when I got hmm. it from the distillery in D.C. I'll have to get to your source, Chuck. Um, let's <laughs> see. Daniel has a vodka tonic. And Lauren France has homemade Vind Orange fortified wine. Nice hmm. and Kay like Gilbert some orange has... wine homemade. Yeah, that's yeah. fortified impressive. though. Uh, and then Kay Gilbert has Tej Ethiopian honey wine with cookies. Love it. So thank you, everyone, <laughs> bringing their top drink game for the beginning of the year. Uh, let's get to the news, Amy. What you got? Okay. Well, I mean, with the caveat that here I am drinking a glass of alcohol, I, I picked a couple stories about drugs and like why not to do them. So. <laughs> I understand the irony, but I'm going forward. Um, Everybody picks their poison. So, yeah, these are two stories I saw this week, and they're kind of connected. One from the New York Times about these products that you may have heard of. They're known as gas station heroin. Mm -hmm. Basically, you can buy these little bottles with names like Neptune's Fix and Tiana and Zaza. I don't know if I'm pronouncing them right, but they contain an Mm. ingredient called Tianeptine. Um, which I've also heard pronounced tyaneptine, but it hmm. it acts a little bit like an opioid in its effect on the brain. Um, some people who are trying to quit opioids have even turned to these because you can just buy them over the counter at the gas station, right? Um, it's approved in some countries as an antidepressant, but not in the U.S., and experts say it can be very addictive and potentially quite harmful, especially in large quantities. And because they're marketed as a dietary supplement, they're basically unregulated here. The mm-hmm. FDA can say, you know, don't market this as, as a medicine, but they're not doing anything to make sure the ingredients are safe or effective, um, though it has issued warnings about the dangers. And at least nine states have banned or restricted tianeptine. Uh, but the Times tells the story of one guy who was basically poisoned by this stuff. It's really... Uh, a dramatic story and they're sold in you know flavors like neptune's fix comes in lemon tropical chocolate vanilla i mean it's like you know uh, a candy basically you're buying and can potentially give you uh, the kinds of effects that you might have if you go off heroin and and experience severe withdrawal so that's one story and then the other one uh, i saw today I, i think it may have come out yesterday in the wall street journal about marijuana and how Mm -hmm. teens who are using it are experiencing psychosis um, at higher levels. And um, it's an interesting and complicated story. But basically, uh, the thinking is that as more states have legalized cannabis and it's more widely available, it's also become a lot more potent than it used to be. 
uh, with higher levels of THC, which can cause paranoia and hallucinations. And when young people use it a lot, um, there has been a link shown between early and frequent use of cannabis and the onset of psychotic disorders like schizophrenia. Um, hmm. So this definitely made me want to talk to my kids. I think, you know, there's this impression that because so many states have legalized recreational use, it's kind of like the gas station heroin, right? Like if I can buy hmm. it at the store, isn't it safe? But that's not always the case. So, well, I mean, it's a similar conversation tale. to alcohol, right? If you start mm-hmm. drinking Absolutely. alcohol at an early age, um, you, you're more likely to have a substance use disorder later on in life. Um, hmm. uh, for the mental health show that we also do at APM, Call to Mind, we did a show on substance use disorder, and that was one of the things that they were saying. The experts hmm. were saying that the earlier you start heavy drinking, the more likely you are to start a substance use, to, to develop a substance use disorder later on in life. And alcohol in moderation, you know, people function and you can be fine, but in the extremes, um, it can really harm you and harm your brain and harm your body in all sorts of ways. And I guess that's a, a similar conversation. It's legal, but it can be extraordinarily harmful if you're not careful. Yeah. And I was thinking also because, uh, you know, the federal government still uh, criminalizes marijuana possession. Mm. Um, it, if it were more regulated, would it be you know, would, would it be safer? Would we maybe crack down on these high THC levels, which are the seem to be the issue that causes paranoia and hallucinations? And um, again, you know, there, the story is clear that there hasn't been a proven direct cause of smoking pot and getting schizophrenia, but there's mm-hmm. a, a high association. So definitely worth more study. Okay. Well, uh, Jason uh, Perringer says in the chat that I'd better have a story about happy puppy adoptions after this. (laughs) So I'm going to switch up my news item. (laughs) Sorry, Jason. (laughs) It happens when you have me on the show. (laughs) Talk about this wonderful story that I saw in the Washington Post about an NBA player where he and his wife were like, in a parking lot of a fast food restaurant and they saw this dog wandering around and she opens the door and the dog like just jumps in the car and got in her lap and then they spent the next 10 hours searching for the owner and the dog had been lost for like four years and they were (sighs) able to reunite the dog with the owner. It was a Utah Jazz Forward Center Kelly Olnick and his wife Jackie and this was on Christmas Day and they spent 10 hours on Christmas Day tracking down the owner of this lost dog and it's Oh, I bet they were so very, happy. Yeah, the owner There's I think a happy had like puppy story. How did you pull that on... out? It wasn't even on the rundown. <laughs> it wasn't, but like you had one at the ready. I had one in my back pocket. I had a happy puppy story in my back pocket. You got a happy puppy story in your back pocket. That's the lesson today. Yes. I mean, also the Supreme Court is getting ready to review whether or not, you know, banning homeless encampments might be, you know, against the Constitution. But we can talk about that another day. Let's end on the happy puppy story as per instructions from the YouTube chat. Um, We... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we aim to please, listeners. We aim to please. Uh, that is it for the news. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to play a round of Half Full and Half Empty. We will be right back.
We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so welcome back. It is now time to play our wonderful game, Half Full, Half Empty, hosted by our also wonderful Drew Jostad. Take it away, Drew. Yay, Drew. Are you half full or half empty on Mickey Mouse entering the public domain? Ooh. Do you know this story, I would say I'm half full. Yeah, a bunch of old characters are in the public domain as of this year. Winnie the Pooh, and I'm trying to remember who else. Well, Winnie the Pooh was already in the public domain along with Piglet, but the book from A.A. A. Milne that includes the character of Tigger is now in the public ah, it's domain. Tigger. So, okay. yes. Yeah, I mean, and I've so seen the, the argument uh, that, like, they can be used for all sorts of things that we may not want, like unsavory, capitalistic kinds of things, but I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, I mean, since, since Mickey Mouse has nothing to do with capitalism at all. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> But I'm half I'm half full. I'd like to see innovation uh, with Mickey. Yes, I uh I'm half full. I like the fact that, you know, we actually have a system where things go into the public domain and become more accessible. And sure there's downsides to it, but uh and there can <laughs> see Winnie the Pooh blood and honey. Um but Yes, that's what I read about. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, right. Robert uh, Anstead points out um, like the Little Mermaid. So in the original story, the Little Mermaid dies at the end. Sorry, spoiler alert. But the Little Mermaid that we all know and love does not usually die at the end of the movie. So, yes, let's uh, let's embrace alternative endings. So, yes. Uh, What's next, Drew? Half full or half empty on writing paper checks. Oh, what's the story? Uh, This was a story that Janet did for the website. It was an I've always wondered about why we still use them. Why a lot of times if you're going to doctor's offices or paying a contractor, they insist on a paper check, even though they're maybe more vulnerable to fraud. And we have things like Apple Pay. Mm. Go ahead, Kimberly. I still use paper checks on occasion. Um, I, but generally when I am like physically handing someone the payment, not when I'm mailing something or sending money any kind of distance, but I don't mind, um, you know, a check. And, and as people point out in the chat, you know, for small business owners, it saves you the fees. You know, if you're doing a Venmo or Apple Pay or a PayPal or, or whatever, or even a regular credit card transaction, you have to pay fees and that stuff adds up for a small business. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm half full on, on paper checks. I like it. It reminds me 
um, every so often of how terrible my handwriting is uh, to see me <laughs> attempt to scrawl my signature at the bottom of a check. <laughs> Oh, I remember practicing over and over for when I got my first checking account so that I could sign my checks. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's something lovely about the physical act of writing something and kind of feels more meaningful when you're spending money than just pushing a button and saying bye-bye <laughs> to all that money. Yeah, I mean, I find it a little bit of a pain to carry it around, but um, yeah, I'd say I'm Oh, I don't carry it around. I keep it at home. If, if It's yeah. like if I, I need to be expecting to write a check. Uh, right, it's not absolutely. a uh, a casual thing that happens you know, I, out in the I just wilderness. went to a an old fashioned store here in Baltimore that still accepts checks, but they also use that little like sliding copier receipt thing oh, for credit cards. Wow, it's very satisfying to see that happen. So you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow, that makes me feel old. Next. <laughs> okay. Since it opened in May 2022, ABBA's 3D Avatar-based <laughs> concert series Voyage has apparently contributed $400 million to London's economy. Are you half full or half empty on seeing ABBA as, like, video game characters? Ooh, so, I'm half full. <laughs> I love ABBA. I am going to say half empty, but for an unexpected reason. Right before the major lockdowns of the pandemic, my mother wanted to go on a disco cruise. And <laughs> people know how I feel about cruises. Uh, anybody who's listened to this podcast, but my sister and I went with my mother on a disco cruise and there was an ABBA tribute band and they were so good like they looked like the characters they sang like the characters and they were amazing and i would rather have that experience than a virtual experience with fake abba wow i never even thought of that is this depriving economic opportunity mm -hmm. from cover bands oh that's yeah. interesting yeah. Well, oh my I'm going to London I'm for spring break with my jokes. kids, and I'm I want to look it up. I hope it's still running. <laughs> You're missing all the ABBA jokes in the chat. Oh, please People tell me. Asking. Please tell me. <laughs> you know, if you change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Listen, Mama Mia. Okay, uh, that's too much. All right. Uh, which do we have another one before the poll, Drew? Yeah, I got a, got two left. Okay, let's do it. Half full or half empty on surge pricing at restaurants? Ooh, Ooh. that's interesting. Half so empty. I... Yes. <laughs> I see you formulating I'm a thought. Thinking. I guess saying, saying the phrase surge pricing implies that the price is only going to go up. But I think the story it was does. more about it going up or down depending on demand and things like that. Uh, like at slow times, maybe you get a break. Yeah, yeah. this was a story we did this week. Oh, I missed that I'm one. Gonna, I'm going to say half full because it's supply and demand and it's kind of interesting that it hasn't applied to the restaurant. I mean, if you think about it, if you go to a to the theater, because we were just talking about a show, if you want to go see the evening show, it costs different than a matinee, right? 
um, it's more expensive to go in the evening than to go to the afternoon show because one is in higher demand than the other. And if you consider a restaurant has the finite number of tables and spaces, you know, then it makes sense that at the high demand times that you might charge more. And I mean, in my idealistic interpretation of this, maybe that would then lower the prices at other time to make dining more accessible for people who might not be able to, you know, pay the higher rates that they would might otherwise have if it was consistent pricing. But I don't know. I'm half full on anything that gives restaurant workers a livable wage. So there it is. Well, I wonder if it does, though. Like, it makes me wonder if the if you're working the slow shift, if you kind of get stiffed because, you know, your the check is your tips are based on the check. So if the check is smaller, mm. is the tip smaller? I don't know. And I'm just thinking like they're they're kind of like meal times, right? It's you know, most people eat oh, yeah, at that's a, true. At, within a certain window of time. And so am I going to be having that's to eat fair. dinner at four o'clock to get the deal? I don't know. I need to study mm. this more. Yes, we should go out and eat and test, test yeah, and try some of this. <laughs> yes. For research. <laughs> for yes, research. It's for research. For indeed. All right. Last one. We got the poll. All right, everybody in the live chat, if you are able, uh, please participate. And while you are in the clicking mood, please feel free to uh, hit that like button as well. Hearts, thumbs up, all the things. All right, go for it, Drew. Half full or half empty on these Stanley cups. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for this. Oh, go ahead. You seem to have big feelings. BRB, I'll go get it. We have to, we have to, oh, you're going to, yeah, go get it while we're vamp. Oh, we got to see what color you have. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And now we get to look at Amy's cool freedom of speech poster. I didn't see, (laughs) I hadn't seen this video before where somebody's like car caught on fire. I saw that. And And there was still ice in in the Stanley cup. And the Stanley cup is still intact. And it had ice still in it. She's like shaking it and there's still ice. Now... (laughs) Amy has her. What what is this color, Amy? Oh, you can't hear me because you don't have headphones on. You mean what color? This what is this Stanley color? Cup? <laughs> it's what so is this cute. Color? It's bigger than my head. I think this is the new lavender. Maybe I'm not sure. Is this, this like one of the exclusive ones that people were fighting for? I maybe. So my brother got this for my nine year old for Christmas. <laughs> my nine year old wrists are like this big around. Cup well, for okay, he's a good Go uncle. Ahead. Let's just say that. But she can barely lift the thing because she's so tiny. I mean, it's enormous. And then, yeah, I've been, of course, hearing about how coveted this thing is. And we didn't know how special we were because she, I think she's a little young to, to be in the know about that. Um, mm. so yeah, I'll tell her how special she is. But um, or or maybe how special I won't. her mom is now since you've adopted <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> It's so big. I mean, honestly, like, I I like water as much as the next guy, but this is too much. I can't mm. even fit it on my little platform here. Does it yeah, fit so in I your can't car wait to cup hear holder, what... though? Like the... Apparently it does, yeah. But again, she's nine. She doesn't have a cup holder. She's <laughs> in the back seat. <laughs> All right, we've got 132 votes. Final call for anybody who wants to weigh in on whether you are half full 
or half empty on the craze around the Stanley Cups. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's close the poll and hear your story, Amy. I'm guessing you're half full on this. Ah, oh gosh, is my brother listening? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ben. Um, (laughs) I am, I'm going to say I'm half empty. Because they are so expensive and it does, I've heard some of my friends with older kids, you know, their kids have been like begging for this thing. And I'm always a little, I don't know, maybe I'm not much of a joiner. Um, but hey, if it's good for the company, I mean, isn't Stanley known for like tools and stuff? It's kind of I amazing so that they're having this. camping gear and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that they're having this renaissance. Although our dear former colleague Scott Tong did an interview about this um, I think it was yesterday on Here and Now. And apparently they've kind of abandoned their male demographic f- in favor of really targeting women, which I think is interesting. Like, can't you have, you know, can't you reach both? How about you? Uh, I, I'm i half full um, because from what I understand, it is a well-made product um, encouraging <laughs> very, people to drink heavy. more water and or whatever they put into it. Um, and if this actually means that people keep it and use it for years and years in the actual life cycle of the product um, and it's something that's well made and sustainable, yes, all for it. However, you know, when I saw this happen, I'm like, oh, that's a cool cup. I could totally use that. And then I looked in my cabinet and I saw the many water bottles that I already have from like conferences and things that are very, very nice. So I don't love the just like mass consumption part of it. But with the optimistic view that people are going to buy them, use them, keep them and cherish them for years and years and they won't all end up in landfills half full. Yes. Let's say that. That is very optimistic. And there's not going to be some new trendy water bottle (laughs) that replaces them. In five minutes. I know. Right? And suddenly kids are like, that's so last year, Mom. I understand the the Gen uh, Zers and the Gen Alphas are way more sustainable than the rest of us. So I have faith in them. I have faith in the the youths. In the kiddos. I just hope no one's getting teased at school because they have a hydro flask. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) There's always going to be something to get, you know, kids teased at school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People are saying this stinks of product placement. I don't have one. (laughs) We're just talking about this. This is just what I read about it. People in the chat are saying we're advertising for it. I don't have one. I never had. Yeah. Okay. Forget you ever saw it. I feel Whatever. like there were some right. major caveats in my presentation of the Stanley Cup. I think we're done talking about it. All right. That's it for the game. Oh, we didn't give the outcome of the poll. Wait, well, Hold on. Yeah, what was the answer uh, on the, the, on the uh, yeah. poll? All right. Half empty, 65%. Half full, mm. 34% with 142 votes. Oh, Thank that's you good. to all who participated. All right. That is it for today. Uh, Kai will be back. Kai and I will be back on Tuesday. Obviously, we're going to be off on Monday from the show. In the meantime, if you have a question or a comment that you would like to share with us, leave us a voicemail at 508-UB-SMART or you can email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. 
See, unlike Kai, you dance with me to the music. I appreciate I love you dancing. Me. How can you not? <laughs> Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Jake Cherry. Thanks, Jake. Yes, thanks, Jake. The team behind our Friday game is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is our director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of Digital and On Demand. And have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, happy Martin Luther King Day. Yes. Go out and do some service. I have a story coming up on certain types of volunteering. You should listen on Monday for it. I will. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Khreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.